Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. Hello and welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders and this week I am your chunk. I'm Doge and look down. Look down. I'm chunk until I die. Ooh, yes, Ooh, dude. I There's love the a loyalty. Shirt. That's a shirt. That's merch. And I'm Carter, and I'm ready to bring them chunk. <laughs> dude. Dead Oh, on. man. You are so talented. <laughs> and I'm Katie. And... <laughs> Two, four, six, oh, hunk. Yes. <laughs> uh, Who am no. I? <laughs> oh, that's what it's supposed to sound like. <laughs> that's what it sounds like from a, a person who can sing. Normally, this is the part where we're like, why are you the hunk? But I think it's obvious. It's because it's Katie. It's because it's Katie. Yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. Because it's Katie. Starting her own podcast in the two chunks. <laughs> Just uh, called LLC. Katie. Just called Katie. Just Katie. Period. Cause it's Katie. It we, that's that's got a, a run for its money. It could Katie. be called Cause it's Katie. Cause, yeah, cause like it's it. Katie. I do like that's that nice. too. What if it's called? You Katie guys will dot, be my dot, first dot. guests. Nobody oh, I was still waiting for the, rest the, of the episode. That's I how was. effective I got that excited. dot 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 was. No, it's, it's very that's good. the thing. That's it draws that's people in. Kate, it's called Katie. <laughs> hey, hear me out. Hear me out. <clears throat> Hello and welcome back to constantly katie i'm your host Ooh. katie <laughs> just, yeah oh. so you're so you're hosting just yeah jordan's so, hosting it's jordan's as solo me. podcast called katie mm-hmm. it's a role play <laughs> podcast where i i mm. am podcasting as the voice of katie like mm. i'm her inner monologue you're I her jiminy this. cricket right yes correct Meanwhile, okay. If I'm, <laughs> if, if I'm jiminy cricket then it does need to be conscientiously katie oh yeah it does, but, you know. It's a it, you win some, you lose some here. And uh, speaking of winning, this is the winner of our poll, the movie we're talking about today. Yes, yes, it our sure poll is. for the Chooseical sure series, the most voted, highest voted movie musical of all time within <laughs> our poll, and that movie is the final movie 
of the Choosical series. We're done. Let's see this if we it. all say the same name for it. Because this yeah, one's known. Nobody say a, anything. I got a couple yep. of handles. Let's see which one we all choose. Yeah, uh, let's do that. This movie is known as Les, Les Miserables. Miserables. <laughs> we all did the same thing. Incroyable. Incroyable. We did it, you guys. We can end the podcast. Now let's see if oh, it, it's called man. two different things. That's what it sounded like on exactly. my Zoom call. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. It's It's Les Mis. It's Les Mis. We're doing Les Mis this time. This time it is Les Mis. Do you think it's, it's like it's Americans that just started calling it Les Mis? Because they're just being lazy. Because they don't, they're afraid they're going to mispronounce Miserable. I would, so Les Miserables. I've heard people call it that. I was We're going to start say, doing that to every musical we love. Fanto op. Fanto. Yeah. Fanto. Well, people do just call it straight up Phantom, I feel like. I would, they I do. would refer right. to it as Phanto. Phanto. Absolutely. I'm on board with that right now if we want to change it to Phanto. I it's think happened. I would it's prefer Fanta. Um, in high school, I had a history teacher with a Les Mis poster on the wall, and I spent like a good portion of my junior year just being like less, less miserables, <laughs> less miserables. Was miserable. What did you do with the accent? How did you fit that in? I didn't really go for it at that point. It was just sort of like, wait, in high school, was it this poster? I don't or think like so. A, I think it was no just way. like the Broadway. It wouldn't have been out. This movie wouldn't have been out when I was in high school. Right. 2012. Okay. So no, but you graduated college or you graduated high school in what? 10, 2010? No, in 2012. So wow. it came out. It came out during my time of my freshman year at college. Yeah, wow. that makes sense. And this is this conversation we're having right now is exciting for literally no one. <laughs> I'm uh, not but, even enjoying it. But I'll tell you what is exciting. Our discussion of this movie that is only separated from us by the valley that is the greatest part of this episode. <laughs> Katie's synopsis. Would you please? I could not be happier about this. Sorry, Jordan. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I would. I, I need it. I'm ready for it. You're ready? Okay. Synopsitize me, Captain. Are you guys ready? Yes. For this never been the more ready. final synopsis. Oh. I have had so much fun coming up with these off the top of my head. Yes. That's good. <laughs> so in moment. Yet again, in the moment, I will have not written these lyrics down and I will sing this from just on a whim. Here we go. Yes. Excellent. It's 1815. Right after the French Revolution, the prisoners are pulling a big boat and singing. A man named Jean Valjean is freed, but not really. He finds freedom and grace and decides to live a better life, changes his name a bunch of frickin' times. He takes care of a little girl and raises her as his own, even though she's not his. But then Russell Crowe starts singing. Then it all went wrong thank you you. (laughs) i just really wanted to leave you guys hanging (laughs) that's so good oh my goodness listen it's been a pleasure writing these songs and uh i have i have to give my husband the biggest shout out because he is the uh backboard on which I have bounced my ideas for these mm. synopsis and Excellent. he has helped me write these and I we've had so much fun. We've learned to be a great team. So 
It's been a pleasure. Excellent. I love it. And I'm glad it. you say that it's been so much fun and you seem to enjoy <laughs> it because here live, holding you to it, you're going to be synopsising every movie we have from here on out. That's no matter awesome. what. I can't wait to <laughs> do Zodiac. Even if it's not a musical. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> before, we, before we really dive into this movie, I do want to say, and this is just on my behalf, feel free to co-sign if you feel this way, but this is just on my behalf. I know that particularly with musicals, on like The Greatest Showman, for instance, I know that we rubbed some people the wrong way because we weren't the biggest fans. And I hope that we always are clear that you are absolutely not only allowed to, but encouraged to like things we don't like. Um, yes. I think that that is paramount to uh, enjoying this podcast is understanding that our opinion is not the end all be all. Exactly. The For only sure. difference between our opinion and yours is that we bought these microphones. Right. Yes. Now, I will say the only thing is about... Les Mis, before we jump in, I, I don't think that I am going to, by any means, dunk on this movie the way that I dunked on The Greatest Showman. I do think I'm going to come at it with some spice, and I just want to be clear before we jump in, it's going to be fine, guys. We're going to be <laughs> and okay. Jordan, I want you to know, like, as a listener of last week's podcast, or no, what, would that would that have been two weeks two ago? Weeks ago. Two, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. Greatest Showman. As a listener, I just want my fellow listeners and fellow Chunkies to understand I am also a Chunky and I love The Greatest Showman. So, so Jordan, there were some things that you said that as I was driving in my car, I was like, oh, I mean, I don't love that, but I don't agree, but I still adore you and understand and respect your opinion. So, so Chunkies, listen, he is exactly right. We are trying our best to talk about the movie from our perspective. And that's why you clicked to listen to this podcast. So I love when people send me direct messages like, where were Newsies? Uh, Where was Newsies? You know, if you don't like a movie that we love or you love a movie we don't like, we want to hear about it. Yeah. And also, it's fine. That's okay. Mm -hmm. It also means you're invested enough. It makes the world go round. Yeah. You're invested enough to be offended Mm -hmm. because you're afraid of our influence, aren't you? (laughs) <laughs> we're too You're afraid powerful. we're going we're gonna to bring somebody over, aren't you? <laughs> Nobody wants to hear the truth. No. Um, they can't handle with it. That, with that out of the way, <laughs> with the disclaimer and the asterisk out of the way, the beginning of this movie slaps. Oh, the slaps. beginning is so good. Define beginning. The Coming boats. from under Look the down. water to find mm-hmm. the boat. Yes. The French flag yes. resting on top of the water. The Very much the chain, so the chain cool. gang song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That chain gang song. Doge, don't don't rush, don't rush this. I know where you're no, headed. No, no, no. Don't rush this. I'm not headed anywhere in particular. I wanted to get a clear definition of what you define as the beginning. Because yeah. I agree with you. The beginning does in fact slap so hard. Yes. Yeah, the actual chronological beginning is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Slaps yes. very much. Lay Miz as a Broadway musical, seeing it on the stage. Uh, is maybe a musical that lends itself more to a blockbustery type production film because of how big the set pieces are, right? Like, sure. And how big the music is. You know, we, we've talked about Come From Away on this uh, series yes. before. It's not going to really lend its... It would be kind of strange and take away from... If we got a movie version and there was an actual plane and all sorts of things like that, it's yeah. not going to work. Right. But Les Mis does lend itself to go ahead and being produced. And they, they did a great job here, giving us something that we would not get on the stage. And yeah, actually, that is very scary because feel. of how big it is. Oh yeah, it's it gives me uh, what's it called Mega, megalophobia or whatever, where it's like so big it freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is that right? Something yeah. like that. And the song, the song is very dope. And much like uh, Dory does in Finding Nemo, I am going to glance off the top 
of uh, our 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 good friend. Uh, good grief! How did I forget his name? We just talked about him two seconds ago. I'm gonna glance Brett? off Russell Crowe's head real quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna come back to him later personally. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna bounce off his head like a jellyfish, and I'm gonna skip to. Can we have a discussion about how um, excruciatingly long it takes for us to get from? Uh, Jean Valjean being freed to anything relevant to what's happening. Like, Oh my goodness gracious. We, we dedicate about 25 minutes to something that is that something that takes a couple minutes to tell. And I know that there's a lot of stuff happening, but like, and I know that it's so important that he has shown grace by this priest and allowed to live and told to go make something better. And I get that, but it feels like we hit play and then 25 minutes later, it's like, okay, and now here's some of our inciting stuff that's going to happen. So this was my first experience with Les Mis. Never seen the show, had never seen the movie before right now. I knew the, like a couple of the famous songs. I'd heard them before, but had no okay. idea. Uh, and I was so bored, period. Uh, but especially for the first, uh, like you said, Jordan, for the first like 30, 45 minutes. And I get that we are... We're committed to replicating the structure of the stage play, right? Like if it starts with a boat on stage, it's got to start with a boat on the movie. But I think that's a big mistake. I think we got to start with the priest. Like if we start with him being caught by those guys brought back to the priest and then we can tell the boat stuff, we can tell that through flashbacks. We can't do that on a stage, but let's take advantage of the medium that we've got now. Let's streamline things a little bit to make a movie that is... that. Because I think the, the problem is that this is not quite speaking a movie language, right? When we go to watch a movie, we expect that uh, it will be plotted a certain way. And the, the makers of the movie encode their messaging. They tell their story in a language that we're primed to understand based on the environment that we're consuming their story in. And I think we can use some of the tools at our disposal with this being a movie to really help with the pacing of it, particularly this beginning part. So that's I a think, long way to say, Jordan, I agree with you. It's a lay Miz paced way to say, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Now, I most, what? Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead no, Carter. you go, Katie. You go, Katie. Well, I just want to clarify. I actually might have a hot take or, or, or a little bit of a pushback, not a hot take, but I actually yeah. might have a little bit of a pushback. Actually, I'm jumping straight into my super pump. Okay. And it is actually in, a, in opposition to what you both just said. Please. I actually, my super pump is Hugh Jackman's transformation in that first 20 minutes. The way he, his acting from when he is in the church and realizes he has fallen from grace, needs help. The priest shows him care. He's caught. He's in the church and he goes out and rips the paper. From that moment, that entire scene for just Hugh Jackman is my super pump of the entire film. It, to me, that moment, I would freeze in time. I Love that soliloquy. I love it so much. Him telling this story. I do agree with you, however, it is long. But I think that is that is the narrative that they're trying to portray, that this is a really going to be a long road for him. So I think with them showing the kids throwing things at him, showing right. people asking him for his papers, um, we will. We'll, we're going to bounce over Russell Crowe because we're going to get to that, I'm sure, multiple times. I promise I won't harp on it the entire time. But I I actually, that part gets me jacked. Like that song is so transformative where he, and 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 maybe it is a little bit of knowing the stage version where that when you have Alfie Bo singing that lyric 
and ripping that paper up, it is it it's unlike anything else. And to me, it sets the tone for the entire show. No, sure. yeah. so, he was the original Jean Valjean. He was the original yeah. Jean Valjean. Sure. Um, and so there's a little bit of that element that maybe because for sure, for sure, you Doge, if you haven't seen the stage <sighs> musical, sure. that would play into. And then I also loved the boat because you can't see it like that on stage. The boat's yeah, kind of rinky, kind of yeah, small, yeah, yeah. and so to see this full CGI boat is like, oh my gosh, that shows the strength that those men actually had to have. So that's where I like, it sets the tone of the strength that Hugh Jack, yeah. or that Jean Valjean has. So I actually, I, out of the gate, that's my super pump. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I agree. Um, I think Hugh Jackman is like, honestly, kind of putting on a masterclass of acting in that moment. Um, like, I really do think he is fantastic there. And again, my thing, I wouldn't remove a single song from that beginning sequence. I would keep all mm -hmm. the songs. I would keep all of that. To me, it is simply the pacing of our first 30 minutes doesn't feel like it needs to be 30 minutes long to me. For sure. In a movie that is pushing up against three hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll say it's a little long, too, for the beginning. But I'm somewhere in between. It's not my super pump, but it definitely was in consideration. I think he does... I think because we do get such big gaps of Hugh Jackman's role in this, it actually happens with almost all of our actors uh, just because of how massive this story is. Mm -hmm. uh, we get a lot of time where we don't have Hugh for around for a while and we start to tell other stories that I think sometimes he's kind of, even though he got an Oscar nomination, one of two to have a nomination for this in acting, a lot of times I think he's he is completely uh, overshadowed by like Anne Hathaway's role, right? Because we get her for 15 minutes that we forget though, that Hugh's <laughs> doing a good job. And I'll bring up a point now. I think the casting is really good with a caveat. I think everyone is cast. I think the casting is better for this movie, for the acting than it is for the singing. Does that I make agree. sense? Mm -hmm. I think regardless, I think Eddie Redmayne is, is wonderful for the role that he's in. Uh, Amanda Seyfried for her role. I think Hugh Jackman was a great John Valjean. I have a hard time deciding who could have done his role better collectively. Right. And then, and then honestly though, it, we, again, we're, we're it's going to be so hard to bounce over him, but Russell Crowe as the role of Javert makes, makes sense. If Javert doesn't have to sing, right. Mm -hmm. He does have this grimace and this like gritty look on him, but it's unfortunate that all we can think about is, is what the role is really supposed <laughs> yes. to be for him. Yeah. But okay. I agree, Katie, Hugh, Hugh does, Hugh does such a wonderful job here. Um, and just gives it all. Like, so Carter, since you bring it up, yeah, let's talk about this Russell might Crow. be the spiciest thing that I say in this whole episode. The casting of this movie is my super dump because it is so bad. You think all of it? I think all the casting is absolutely terrible, except for Anne Hathaway, who is my super pump. So we're just going to get it all out of the way right now. Okay. And then I'm going to hang up the call. I'm going to be done <laughs> for this episode. Uh, Anne Hathaway is my super pump because she is the only one who can act and sing. And they're both really great. Her acting is awesome. Her singing is awesome. She deserved that Oscar. I think this casting, Carter, I think you're you're right on. This casting is excellent. It's the best casting in the world if we're adapting the novel. But at the end of the day, we're not adapting the novel. We're adapting the musical based on the novel. And so every single role, I think, is a swing and a miss. I think Hugh Jackman mm. can sing, and I don't think it sounds good at all in this movie. Russell Crowe cannot sing, and surprise, surprise, it does not sound good at all in this movie. I think Amanda Seyfried can act and can sing, but she has this weird Snow White vibrato thing going on in this movie, which I don't care for. I think Eddie Redmayne is kind of doing a weird high-pitched Kermit thing when he's singing, and I don't care for that. All of these roles are cast well for the characters themselves. 
yeah. I would say none of these people, with the exception of Anne Hathaway, had any business playing these roles in a musical. So mm. do you I is, see is where you're a, coming from? Is it a completely different category because they're they're more talking than singing most of the time? But Sasha Baron Cohen and Helena Bonham Carter are they in this collective to you? They're not. I think that works for me because we okay. those roles are not as vocally demanding as you know Hugh Jackman with his vibrato that's like a minor third above and below the note, like <laughs> trying to sing "Bring Him Home." It's like I get I get that Hugh can sing that. Yeah. I get that he can hit the notes, but his it's just there's just something about it that's like, man, that is just not right for this for yeah. me. Well, I don't mm-hmm. agree with it. I, I'm I'm glad you have this opinion, and I'm glad that we're a little bit separate on on mm-hmm. this because it brings up good conversations. I think something that we get used to with Broadway is we're going to have everybody trained and everybody is just really good. So our our uh, uh, Aaron Tiviot and Samantha Bark. So that's Eponine and uh, and uh, Eddie Redmayne's best friend in this movie. Mm-hmm. They are Broadway musically trained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they, they stand out to me. They sound like, like it. Yeah. But that's when why. They sing, that's exactly go, why. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. what I've been looking for. Eddie Redmayne and that guy should have switched roles. Right. So we want, so what's tough, like, yeah. You know, I wish I had known more about the casting. And it's it's almost assumed that almost, almost anybody who is like in the arts and is in acting can carry some kind of tune relatively. Right. Right. It feels like if you have this, you can also have this most of the time. Uh, we probably have, uh, I don't know, it's probably pretty even for music- musicians becoming actors and then actors becoming musicians. But, but I think that kind of like just carry a tune, it, that works for like La La Land, right? That's enough for that, but it's just not for this for me. Well, it's and, asking and, a lot of it, isn't it? It's like yeah. you have familiar songs and songs that are not easy. Like well, these and there are is songs so are, much singing in this movie. I mean, so there is much. A, it's, yeah, it's musical. Um, right, but even, I think I'm this kidding, is I the just, most, <laughs> this is the most musical of like, as far as like, Ratio of spoken word to song. This is the most skewed towards song of any movie we've sure. done. Oh yeah, For sure. Um, yeah, it would have been like if there was a Phantom or a Newsies or if those had made it right into well, this. And somehow, I'm I'm with Carter on this one. I'm I I actually, in my own opinion, I actually gave Hugh clearly his voice got significantly better between Les Mis and Greatest Showman. You can tell an astronomical difference it, 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 from from being a singer myself. And I'm not saying like I'm not dissing you guys that y'all don't have an opinion. I know some of you are singers, but just for me personally, as a singer, I was like, okay, you can tell he definitely had some training. It's yeah. the same way of you know uh, Meryl Streep from uh, Into the Woods. Yeah. From uh, what musical was she in before that? Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Mia. Game changer. She got so much better. And I think it was because someone worked with her significantly Mm -hmm. on Into the Woods because that's not an easy role to play. I think Hugh Jackman's performance, having not seen this since it probably came out, I've probably only seen this movie twice. I actually gave him a lot of grace because it he is this. If I had been serving prison for 20 years, I don't want him to sound polished. I don't want, I mean, his vibrato, he's supposed to be 47 at the very beginning of the movie. To yeah, me, he's an old man. He, and to me, it's like, I can kind of get behind if he got up there and was like, look, duh. And like, was Alfie Bo, I'd be like, uh, I don't know that I can, that I'm convinced in the film that, He's suffered as much as he has. To me, somehow that wide vibrato, I I looked over it because I thought he's tired. Like he's tired. That represents who he is. Yeah. 
I think that's good, Katie. I, I'd love to go ahead and give my super pump. And I think it's a good time for me to give my super pump because I think it lends itself to the conversation that we're having. I think uh, something that was pretty brilliant and had kind of been done before, but was done big time by by Tom Hooper in this one, was choosing to have them sing it live. Yes. So choosing to have them sing live, what that lends itself to is there is something, whether you are a trained musician or not, you kind of know it's happening live, don't you? you like because tell. of yeah. the way they're emoting, because of the veins in the neck and the head that you don't really get unless you're a perfect lip syncer. Where usually normally you're going to come back in and dub over some stuff like we've seen in in every other musical we've watched in this series. Like I think that lend itself to giving us something that just watching the recording of Hamilton doesn't necessarily do, even though that that's live for them. But mm-hmm. the fact that it is just super produced and we're just putting them right in the middle of having to build this out. And you're right. Maybe the fault is we're asking so much mm-hmm. of them. Like this is yeah. the, they, the music was written long before these roles were made. And even half of this cast was born. Right. So sure. that La La Land is awesome. And such a perfect combination and a super duper by the poster for maybe all four of us. If I think Katie had bought mm-hmm. the poster for that too, because it felt more written for Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah. And this is, it's tough because I think we were going to have an either or in this situation. We were going to get a bunch of people that were like Eponine that we don't know who they are, but it would have been a heck of a good job of like singing. And maybe we have a full package there or we're going to help it make half a billion dollars and go grab Hugh Jackman and Eddie Redmayne and Amanda, people who already have pretty big careers. So yeah, my super pump though is the choice of how they chose to record the music. Yeah. Because I think that was really creative. And I think for the most part, it works. It's super totally. duper effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why it makes our Broadway people stand out too. <laughs> because that's it, all they've yeah. done. It feels sure. better and sounds better when it's, it's in that moment and acted mm-hmm. along with how, how it is. And, and yeah. if it wasn't that sung, way, yeah, if it wasn't that way, Anne Hathaway, I don't know if she wins the Oscar. I think the fact that we know mm-hmm. that she's giving her all and did this eight times, how many times? I, I read it had to be exhausting. Dude. Empty Chairs and Empty Tables had 21 takes straight. Goodness gracious. And they took, I don't know which one. So it could just be, I'm not going to make excuses because I completely agree with a lot of what Jordan and Doge are saying about it. Mm-hmm. Well, hold on. I, that's I, exhausting. I, I'm, I want to be very clear that I really do. I land somewhere between Katie and Doge on this because oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I do not agree that the entire movie was miscast. I think that um, particularly Hugh, Eddie Redmayne and Anne Hathaway obviously were fantastic cast. I actually think Sasha Baron Cohen and... Yeah, um, I think they were great. What's her butt are fantastic. Helena Bottom Carter. Helen, I hope Helena I Bottom asked, Carter is her name. I asked I'm, Jess. I'm, I was like, my name is Carter. I asked Jess, like, is that Helena Bottom Carter? And she's like, oh, it's, I don't remember her name, but she's the- Tim Burton girl. She's married Bellatrix to the guy who- strange. She goes, she's married to the guy who does those. And I said, oh, thank you. That's helpful. <laughs> oh, she just said those? She just said those. She's married to the guy who does those. She's oh, married to the guy awesome. that does those. She's married to the guy that does those movies that look like the ones she would be in. Right. <laughs> now, you know what I mean? She's b- got before, this creepy, creepy nature about her and she's awesome, yeah. but she's, she's a weird lady. Before mm-hmm. we move on, I do want to say the part that I the most agree with Doge is I absolutely think that Hugh Jackman sounds like somebody taught him to sing like right before he went out for this movie. <laughs> Like, but the I, thing is that he like he like claims music as like one of his things. Like I that's why he it. won't do. I believe that's why it. he wouldn't do the Wolverine voice because there was a lot of uh, like a lot of of uh, 
The only word that I can think of is hubbub, which makes me sound like a nonagenarian. But there was yeah. a lot of hubbub uh, I think about it's that hubba, when he was hubbubaloo. There was a, a lot of there was a lot of yabba dabba do about that whenever he was <laughs> right. cast as Wolverine that he wasn't doing the gravelly voice, so he could still sing. So, but right. he wanted to still be able to sing. And I buy it. I and do that believe totally that he ruined has his that. Wolverine career. So <laughs> exactly, he really lose, didn't play lose, that role Hugh. for very long. <laughs> I do believe that he has that skill set. I totally buy that. To me, whatever choice he made in this character. That makes him mm-hmm. sound at the end of Bring Him Home like his throat is the size of a the cap of a pin. <laughs> I think that it was a mistake. I think that was a, a, a swing and a miss. Like you no, said, no, I do, I, I, I do agree with you. Like Bring that. Him Home was not great. Which and it's, it's such hard a great to listen song. to. Um, and there there are things like that sprinkled throughout. The most egregious mistake, the biggest misstep, and in a movie this size, it is inexcusable. I, and Carter, I hate to disagree with you. And by that, I mean, I love when we disagree because it makes a great podcast. Russell Crowe, I don't think is bringing anything acting wise to the table that no one else could do. Like, I think well, you could I'm sub him out excluding, for anyone. Yeah. Excluding like, Katie. Anyone. I'm, yeah, excluding Katie. I might be the, 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 the kindest, even to a, a, <laughs> sure. a matter of being blind. Right. Sure. We did a fun thing where we went through and, I, and we did all of our super, like all of our by the posters and I made a. Uh, a big spreadsheet and I by far was the nicest. I am an optimist. Yes. I trust am, me by the end of this, I'm going to be, I'm like, well, but maybe Russ, because, because I've, because he's also Maximus, right? Right. So Dude, that's like, the thing, the thing about him yeah. is that he's, he's not bringing anything because the only thing he's allowed to bring onto Listen, set with him is his terrible singing. Please. Nobody think that I'm defending Russell Crowe. But Russell if he didn't Crow, have to bring that, I think he could do a good job. Yeah, Russell yeah, Crowe yeah. is my I, super dump because he sucks so bad. Yeah. Is what yeah. I'm getting at here. His, I actually feel bad for him. <laughs> I That's do where I, do I land every time he opens his mouth. And I actually yeah. wrote on here, I don't ever want, I wrote on my notes, I don't ever want to be mean about someone. Right. I have unbelievable respect for Russell Crowe. Totally. He is gladiator. Who he is, is this unbelievable, iconic, strong fighter. To then put him in a role where he has to say, now prisoner 24601, (laughs) you have ruined the picture of who Russell Crowe is. And I feel bad for him because I don't think he's saying, I think he probably was like, what? The H? Yeah. My my excuse for Russell Crowe is ludicrous because- It's ludicrous? Ludicrous? That's it. All I am saying is it's perfect if Javert doesn't have to sing. Which is completely against what Les Mis is. I, I don't even think that. And I, yeah, I, I can't. I, but knowing you don't get what to think it, right? That's is. what's funny. I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to die on this because it's sure. stupid and it's bad on For me. Sure. But like, I, that's what I'm saying is like, it is so very much, he has to. The, the role of Javert was never written to not right. be sung except right. when mm-hmm. Les Mis was written. But like, yeah. Like if it was just an adaptation and this was never a musical, it's like, the, it, it made sense at first. Like for a fraction of a second, it's like, when we describe what he is in Maximus, like what he's known for as an actor. Sure. It's like, cool, disgruntled. But no, what we have is someone who looks like they are, the way he is standing, he's my super dump too, by the way. The way (laughs) he is standing, especially when he's having, what honestly on the stage, it stinks so bad because Javert is like one of my favorite characters in Mm -hmm. Les Mis because his story is so interesting. He's supposed to be the the uh, moon to the sun that is like Hugh Jackman's right, story, right? right. Like, uh, 
and his music is great, but we would never know it. Like his songs right. are actually pretty epic. Right. I, agree. I swear by the stars in their multitude, but he's, I'm never going <laughs> to not hear him and it's his fault. The stars. And I'm so mad about it. Oh, wait, yeah, but it's bad. he looks like the way he is standing looks like he's like when you're watching something on stage or like a halftime show and you're like, oh, I can tell they're rigged up. They're about to go into the sky. I can tell that they, because <laughs> something's pulling them. You know what I'm saying? Like something's like pulling. He just never goes and I'm like, up. oh, he can't, he can't hide this. He's he going to be lifted like up by this. Yeah, he, he looks like he's getting ready to do that. <laughs> oh my god! While asking for a Kleenex, and I, the, I found myself just being like, just yawn, just get it out. You don't have to hold back your just yawn go right ahead now. Why are they it, filming? Because it's it's bad, dude. dude. It is bad, bad. I was devastated when I saw the cast. N- not just when I saw the cast. Obviously, it was solidified when I saw the film. But that they did not have Norm Lewis play Javert. Norm Lewis. Is I don't know if y'all know who that is, but I he don't. played Javert. He's played it on Broadway. He was in the 2010 live performance, and he is absolutely incredible. He's and a his fierce, age is fine, and his age is great. He's a fierce black man who literally is. And in yes. fact, I actually think he, for some reason, I have in my mind he was King Triton as well in Little Mermaid. Oh, he carries this gravitas that yeah. is so incredible. And in the stage, in the Broadway, uh, Little Mermaid. Uh, but he, Norm Lewis is, I was devastated when I saw it, knowing that they did have Eponine, that they did have, and I never can remember his name from Broadway. Why didn't you have Norm Lewis? That mm. I thought that was a horrible choice because he mm-hmm. carries that gravitas, would have brought diversity yep. to the cast, more diversity, and then also has a kick A voice. So yeah, I, I just was, yeah, Russell Crowe, I think, we can say, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I would also say is my super dump. Well, and yeah. Russell Crowe, and I think that's, it's it's interesting that we're all landing here, right? Because Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman, to me, and I'm not co-signing any of you to this, but Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman, to me, are these two powerful leading men. And Hugh Jackman's bringing way more to the table than Russell here, I think. But they're two of the weakest vocal performers in this movie, and they carry so much of what in my opinion is the hardest thing to sing in this movie, which is the conversational singing. Mm -hmm. It's not melodic. There's nothing to latch onto. It's just this like, now you will go and you must leave today and I'll never see you again. And you must go down (laughs) to the street and you'll find a place to stay. Don't show me your card. No, two, four, six, or what? Like it's, there's nothing happening other than like, Hey man, stay on this note, go up and down sometimes and like make it sound good if you can. And it's like, who are we going to get to do this? Probably the two weakest singers in the cast. Well, I think they're, they're like, they're emblematic to me of like, and Katie, I'm glad you brought that up with the Broadway cast. Like to me, it seems like a no brainer and, and okay, I'll say this. If I'm making the movie, it's a no brainer to say, Hey, who's doing this on Broadway right now? Can we borrow them? Let's borrow them for like six months while we shoot this movie. Yep. And we're going to do uh, with the current Broadway cast, right? It probably won't make half a billion dollars. It probably won't be a box office juggernaut the way that this was. And so I think that's the thing that we sacrifice. And 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 maybe that's a better way to phrase my super dump. When I say the movie was miscast, I think I mean it was cast to with an eye toward dollar signs. Like it feels like a money grabbing <laughs> casting. Yeah. You know, he's also done, Tom Hooper directed King's Speech. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes. cats. And, and Cats. And Cats. But I'm King's Speech, for a reason I bring this up, is because I think Jeffrey Rush could have also been a great Javert. Ooh, Ooh yeah. Um, and is known for being able to sing. Right. And was actually considered for the role. 
uh, of Javert, and it and didn't happen. Why did we but choose Russell Crowe? I think he, he's our second Jeffrey, build guy. It's Jeffrey Russell Crowe. Rush. He's didn't in, he play it in the original 1998? He did. Yeah. What? He's actually played Javert before. So there were so many things That's that were so out cool. here. Which I said I want to talk us. about that at some point. The 1998 yeah. version with Liam Neeson, so we can get yes. to that. I've never yeah. seen this. Yeah. The 1998 yeah. version. Mm-mm. So I haven't either. I, I looked it up because that's one of the very first introductions to the story I ever experienced. I was about 10 years old and my parents let me, we, we were, I was nine when it came out. We watched it as a family and Jeffrey Rush plays Javert. Liam Neeson plays uh, Jean Valjean. Interesting. And it's not a musical. It's literally just the original uh, uh, Poison Ivy. Um, Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman is, um, mm-hmm. is Anne Hathaway's character. It's an incredible, incredible movie. But I, I thought maybe I just remember it being really good. I actually looked it up. And Carter, I don't know if you've seen this, but out of 37,000 votes, it has seven and a half out of 10 stars. That is Pretty an decent. incredibly high yeah. vote. So yeah. actually, I wanted to say, if your Chunkies have not, list, have not seen the original 1998 film version, I would say it is an incredible incredible watch. Very interesting. Because it tells the story really well without the music. Yep. I like that. That's kind of cool. And not that yeah, I don't like good. the music. I just think that's an interesting take on something with mm-hmm. a story that is so Oh, like, Jeffrey grand. Rush. It would be my super pump in that movie. He's I'm incredible. Because sure. it was a novel first, right? So that's adapting yeah. the Victor Hugo novel. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I, I want to talk real quick. I have one more, what I would call major gripe. And then I have some positive things that I'm saving for the back half. Cause it feels like we're really front loading this with the dunks and the dumps, but I want to, I want to ask. So Carter and Katie, you have both presumably seen, or at least listened to the stage production of Les Mis. Mm-hmm. What's the accent situation? Are they trying to sound French or is it just sort of this ambiguous European accent that everybody has going? I remember it being pretty ambiguous. Okay. They probably leaned more to British, honestly, okay. with the version that I've seen before. I, Same exact way they've done Beauty and the Beast. It's always British. Right. Okay. Even though it's set in France, for sure. I laughed out loud at the young child with the long hair whose name escapes me right now. Gavroche. When he is holding a French flag and he's like, Oi, I come from the streets yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm going to go down. It's so Cockney yeah, French. Cockney. <laughs> yeah. Cockney British and he's holding his French flag. Yeah. It's like, but that kid is Cockney in the stage musical as well. He's also he? a Broadway okay. pull. Yeah, Callie and I were dying laughing about, <laughs> oh yeah, my dad got transferred to France. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm from England. <laughs> we, but we killed live in France the king. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it they got another king. It feels like our best French accent is a character of it with, with Sasha Baron Cohen. Yes. Correct. hundred uh, percent. Yes. Which, but it works like his work, his works, but it's so over the top. He's, he's one of those that as an actor, you're like, how did they, how, he's such a prankster. Mm-hmm. Is he doing something he's not supposed to, is he just getting away with something? Cause he seems to trick people all the time is like his career. He's done something else similar where he like acted in Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. There's even something else on top of that. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, he was selling like his pee as shampoo or something like that in Sweeney Todd. I remember. He likes to pee and stuff. Oh, I thought that. you meant on set for Les Mis. No. That's where they <laughs> yeah, that trickster. I, like, I buy it, yeah. Got him. But yeah, the that accent scene work kind was of, so it, wild to me. That what? The accent work just in general was just oh, wild sure. to me. Yeah, it's all over the place. But uh, you know what? You know what isn't all over the place because it's always in the same place in the episode? That would be shout announcements where we're headed right now. Welcome to Shout Announcements. It's the part of the show where we give shout outs and 
make announcements and we have a big one for you. Carter, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, just like your intro to shout announcements often gives me chills. <laughs> so so do good, good mystery movies. Ooh. We have a series coming up that has mystery movies, all kinds of shapes and sizes of mysteries. Uh, and it's called Mr. E. Who is he? Mr. Mm. E, MR period, E. Uh, but we have five movies in that series. It'll start with Clue. Mm. And then we'll have Gone Girl after that. We'll have The Fugitive. We'll have Zodiac. And then we will end it with Knives Out. Um, this is a really fun series, and I highly recommend, as I'm sure many of you often do, watch these before we talk yeah, about them. it's going to be awesome. This is this is one of those uh, good series that we have that it's like, you know what, you should, if you haven't, you really should watch everything that's a part of this because that's that's going to be a fun ride and, and very different for us, but I think we're going to enjoy it. Something else that we have enjoyed and we trust you listeners have enjoyed is our our partnership with Katie for the duration of our Choosical series. This has been super fun, I know, for the three of us to get to collaborate with Katie and get to uh, kind of ride the coattails of her <laughs> brilliance and her talent. So uh, we do want to throw it to Katie now and and let her continue to say good stuff that we can take credit for and benefit from. Oh, stop it. <laughs> no, listen, I have had such a blast being with you guys. You guys call me anytime you want me to come back and sing a synopsis, especially about like what we need to do is at some point me come back and do a synopsis for like a horror film um, <laughs> and just really go with it. Uh, yep. <laughs> no, that just, I've had so much fun. And um, no, I wanted to give you guys some of your listeners, some chunkies out there, a few things just to keep in the back of your mind. I have had the absolute privilege during quarantine to become a partner with the Ryan Seacrest Foundation. And so if you have not heard of them, they are an incredible organization um, founded by Ryan Seacrest. And it is where they go into hospitals, children's hospitals all over the country and put in radio studios just to, to simply with the simple mission to bring joy to children who are uh, stuck in hospitals, who cannot leave. And so they bring joy to them. Normally it is in person, but because of COVID, it has been virtual. And I, for one, am so thankful because for the ability to be able to do it virtually, because I have been asked to be an ambassador for them. And so I've gotten to visit with three hospitals so far, and I'm just making my way to each hospital. The next one I have is Charlotte Children's. And I can't believe this, but the other day, I think it was yesterday, a few days ago, it was National Radio Day, and they posted this video, you guys, where I never would have thought that my face and Thor's face would be on the same screen within Amazing. seconds of each other. No, Chris Hemsworth, Kristen Bell, Josh Gad, these incredible human beings, Camilla Cabello, and then there's my little face. (laughs) And we, I get to partner with this organization to bring joy to children. We sing a lot of Disney songs and just basically get to bring, bring happiness. And I will say they have meant more to me than I can ever have meant to them, to be honest. Um, So that's been really cool. And you're going to hear more about that partnership coming soon. I have to tell you junkies that on August 31st, you have to be watching my Instagram because we are going to be doing something that we have never done before. And Mm -hmm. so August 31st is a big day in the life of Katie Pestless. And my husband, Donnie, we are so excited to bring something to you as such a great form of entertainment. And so we will announce it on August 31st. We're still working on all of the details. And uh, so watch my 
Instagram, Facebook, anywhere you, Carter's mom, Facebook, <laughs> everyone else, Instagram, no. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to tell you is, listen, every month you probably run and get grab a cup of coffee or go grab a, a little bite from, you know, Chick-fil-A. But what I want to tell you is what these guys do every week is it's priceless. We're so grateful for everything you guys do. And what I want to encourage your listeners to do, and I have the privilege, I asked the guys if I could do this pitch because I know they talk about this every week, but I want you guys to know what these guys do. They put in time, they put in their effort, they buy equipment to be able to do these things. And out of just sheer joy, And so what I want to encourage you to do is to go on patreon.com and look for Two Chunks and a Hunk page and donate $3 a month. You just replace one chicken sandwich a month from (laughs) Chick-fil-A or one Starbucks a month and you get incredible content and then also can just help these guys help their help fund what they're doing and keep this going because that's so important, especially being in the arts right now. It is really difficult. And so to be able to just say, you know what, I'm going to throw $3 a month to these guys to be able to keep going with and doing what they're doing. You don't know what that means in a time that that the world is just really kind of flipped upside down. So I want to encourage you, I'm going to do it. Uh, if I haven't already, I, I can't remember if I did it years ago, but I'm going to go make sure. And if not, I'm just going to Venmo each of you separately. Um, <laughs> No, I, and then, and guess what? If you become an official Chunky, you can hear their podcast exclusively on Patreon on the staged film version of Hamilton, which Ooh. if you haven't seen on Disney Plus is incredible. We just you don't want to miss these guys too. talking about Hamilton. And uh, guys, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, this has been such a fun here, collaboration. Katie. And yeah, it's this awesome. just a pleasure to know all of you. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm glad you brought up Patreon because I did neglect to say that, that during our mystery series, it's not quite Hamilton, but we are going to do Scoob. So <laughs> I, just, I hate that we are doing this. And I mean, it's interesting to note we are doing not the movie Scoob, but the filming of the live stage the production filming of the of live Scoob. stage production of Scoob. Yeah. So we'll have that for you for Patreon uh, <laughs> next month. My favorite part is when Scooby raps and he's like, I'm not throwing away my Scooby snack. I think mm. it's very cool. Yeah, that's the, pretty it was hard good. To mic but him, was though, that casting well done for his singing? Or <laughs> I didn't <laughs> think Scoob sure? was bringing anything to the table <laughs> that anybody else couldn't have brought. Let's cast Russell uh, Crowe as Scoob and see yeah, what happens. Let's do it. Well, Raggy. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 
If you've been listening since the first episode of the Choosical series, you probably remember that we said that all four of us were going to create a nine-song playlist full of songs from these movie musicals. We have done that, and if you want to be able to check those out, go to the link in our Instagram bio, which will take you exactly where you need to be. To slide us back into Les Mis discussion, I want to talk about I Dreamed a Dream. Um, yes, sir. I Dreamed a Dream. That entire sequence is my super pump for this movie. Yup. Um, yup. I think if if you've listened to our podcast for any length of time, you sh- you probably already know. Big Anne Hathaway fan. I love her. I think that she can do virtually no wrong. I think that she is always the right cast. I was about to say, has she ever beefed it? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And um, I think her voice is, I think she has a very pretty voice, but I think this performance in and of itself is just a completely different level than the rest of this movie. Like, I wonder, uh, speaking about the performance, because that's my super pump as well. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if if every other woman who is in a movie that year saw this and was like, oh, crap, well, she's got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's going to get the statue. Yeah. I feel like you had to, right? Like, you right? watch her. I mean, there's something about, she has this way of crying where, like, her entire face cries. <laughs> And then she's also like singing through it and it is just powerful for real. Yeah. At the she time when she's incredible. probably crying her hardest is the hardest part of the song. And she brought right. off both the to do all of that and still be stronger vocally. Amidst you guys, the tears. that's really hard singing. <laughs> and Every she does I'm, it yeah. with such ease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't do it. Every time I try, every time I cry really hard, I try and do that. I'm like, Oh, now's my chance. <laughs> Maybe I can. This is my shot. Maybe I can play her one day. Fontaine was one day, but I can. The never doctor. Do the doctor's like, it. I'm sorry, you're not going to make it. And Carter's like, I dream to dream. <laughs> He's like, wait, wait, wait. I, I got three breaths left. Let me see yeah. if I can do this whole long note. Let me, hold on. Yeah. I got to do the walk up notes. I definitely uh, feel her to uh, like meta feel her feelings when she's saying so different from this hell. I'm living as I think about Russell Crowe coming back on screen soon. Like I had yes. a dream. I had a dream it would be so different than this. But here we are. Also, legally speaking, I don't think we're allowed to talk about Les Mis and Anne Hathaway in the same sentence without mentioning she straight up for real cut her hair on camera. Yes, like she for did. real chopped her hair off. They on brought camera. in her they hairdresser. One take, right? right? Yep. To play that role, her hairdresser was kind of like masked up and You mean Paolo? Paolo came in. From the prince. She made a boy moose go, wah? She the, did. The, let me tell you a secret. The cucumbers, they do nothing. <laughs> they do nothing. I Paolo, I can't I can't get it out of my head now. Paolo just in lay Miz. Hey, straight up, if you had asked me 10 minutes ago, what is that guy's name? I would not have said Paolo. Right. I don't know how I knew that, but I just did. I reached for it and it was there in the bottom of my infinite Mary Poppins purse. I love it. That was beautiful. Um, yeah, and there there is <laughs> There is something about the fact that we have this movie with Anne Hathaway absolutely slaying I Dreamed a Dream. And then Mm -hmm. we also have Russell Crowe in the same movie. And I think that's where, like, in the same way that I think Russell Crowe makes Hugh Jackman look better. Like, I think I'm more forgiving of the vocal stuff that Hugh Jackman has going on because he's singing with Russell Crowe pretty frequently. Yeah. Don't have to be the best singer. Just got to be better than Russell Crowe. But it makes Russell Crowe sounds so much worse. Right. Yes. Because Anne Hathaway is in this movie. Dude, I had no idea she was only in this for like 15 minutes. 
I was so bummed when she and died because she was the one an thing. Oscar. Right. She was the one thing I was holding on to because I, I like to let the cat out of the bag. I was phenomenally bored for the whole time I was watching this. <laughs> I loved the 15 minutes with Anne Hathaway because I was like, oh, finally something to hold on to. Right. She died. And I turned to Jess. And I was like, wait, is it done? Is she done? I paused the movie. I was like, is Anne Hathaway done? And Jess was like, I mean, maybe. I don't know. And I was like, no, she's dead. I know it. Oh, no, there's still two and a half hours left. <laughs> is Fontaine the musical equivalent of Hannibal Lecter? And by that, I mean, is it the kind of thing where the reason she is so important, the reason she matters and the reason that she won that Oscar is because she's only on the screen for 15 minutes. But when she's gone, you're still thinking about her because everything kind of leads back to her a little bit. She's yeah. catalytic. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's the in same diff- thing. Yeah, in a very similar and very different way, I would say that. I, I, it definitely goes through my mind anytime you hear like, I can't believe they were only on screen for that much and won an Oscar is is Hopkins as Lecter. But yep. yeah. you also keep thinking about Lecter because the rest of the movie is really good. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I've never seen it. And I'm going to be honest, I'm never going to see it. So. You need to because we're going to have it. Mistake. It'll, it'll show up soon. You should see it. It's you okay. can do it. You I'll, can do I'll it, listen, um, but I think I'm okay. Not okay. watching Hannah Lecter. No, no offense. That's fair. Well, we'll there's offense. That. That's you can't just say it's not there, but that's fine. No, um, it's gone. I just value my sleep, peace, <laughs> my peaceful sleep. <laughs> yes. Yeah, having Anne Hathaway and Russell Crowe is like there is this uh, restaurant that you know has been so good forever, and it's been it was originated in France, and now Dallas has one. And you go and you sit down at the table, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the best filet mignon I've ever had. But then one of the sides is Kraft mac and cheese, and you're like, right. huh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that doesn't make sense, and it doesn't really go with this. So but I'm not even going to eat all this. It's Kraft mac and cheese, but they bring it to your table in a box <laughs> with a boiling pot of water, and they're like, you in a box with a boiling, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not you even do done well. Like you, can, <laughs> you don't even know how to make something easy. But then they're like, they're like, here we do have some fresh chopped green onions that you can put on top if you want. Yeah, we're going to dress it up so that you think it's better, but at, when you look at it closely. This is just Kraft mac and cheese, the cheesiest mac and cheese on the planet. Can I be honest and say that I mess with Kraft mac and cheese like pretty hard, honestly? Like, oh yeah, no, I want some right now. I love Kraft mac and cheese, just not with my filet mignon. Right. There it is. Right. Certainly. Um, the, the revolution in the alleyway, which is by the way, is Diagon Alley. It is Diagon Alley. After I I read that, I couldn't unsee it. Oh, wow. It's super duper is. Yeah. I didn't even read it. You guys, I was so proud of myself. I paused it and I went. That's Green Gots. Yeah. <laughs> Even the and I googled are it. Still. I was literally like, I did. I just, I, you guys, I'm typing. I you sure. can't. I, 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 I that's, I'm two for two doing this. I'm like, no, I did. I googled it. I was so proud of myself. I was like, that is Diagon Alley, and it's, but it's beautifully done. Yeah. Do you think Helena Bottom Carter was kind of showing them around and telling them all the places because she's been there? That's she's so, like, she's such is, a method actor. I somehow guy over here. I killed him. Uh huh. No, she's such a method actor. I, I honestly, I wish she did, but let's be honest. I bet she didn't. She was oh, like, I am the innkeeper's wife. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you're bringing up Helena Bonham Carter while we're talking about the alleyway, because there's something I want to juxtapose if that's okay. Sure. Um, I've been thinking a lot about it. The master of the house scene, the like, in the um, the inn that they own, that whole sequence. Um, and th- I think this might be spicy for some people listening. It's so freaking long. Like a quarter of yes. that is all I oh need. Oh my gosh. It, it I goes on for in a full eternity. Cut it. Cut the whole thing. Um, this is not, I mean, this is not the stage play. It's a movie. 
Like it's a different thing. Cut it. I don't need that or want that. The 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 juxtaposition I'd like to give is in the alleyway with the comically large barrier barricade that we've built. I could have spent the entire back half of the movie just in that alleyway watching the showdown between the revolutionaries and like the French uh like police army whatever they are. Like I could have spent way more time in that alleyway with these people that we're supposed to care about. I I could have used more time caring about and growing to care about the revolutionaries and what they were doing. Um, I could have used more scenes with uh, Cosette so that I cared a little bit more about her other than she's Mm -hmm. just Fontaine's daughter. Like we could have spent so much more time in that time period in that alley. And instead we get this like nine minute in sequence. Yeah. I think that, that, uh, that, fight that battle was actually there was a cut of the movie where it was like a 24 minute long good thing that they did there let's trim they chose they chose not to let's trim 15 from elsewhere and throw the 15 they took out back in Mm -hmm. master the house sets a funny tone i think it brings funny i agree but you're exactly right i think it is too long yeah i love it i think we this is a heavy story yeah if we're if we're choosing to cut stuff off, like we need to have at least a little bit of the actual song. But I do like the interactions between them and uh, uh, Jean Valjean coming in to get Cosette. I do too. And him saying mm-hmm. like, we'll take our dear Colette. And he always gets her name wrong. Like I love, yep. I think that's a funny continual thing. I completely But yeah, there's agree. probably some stuff that we could trim the fat a little bit. Yup. Yeah. And I think that's what it boils down to in those moments. Because it, it's hard, right? How do you say... How do you say get rid of this thing that's part of this thing? You know, when you're taking something that exists. How do you solve a problem like Lame is? <laughs> right. <laughs> but to, to, to me, it's just like, because I agree, even the things I would cut, there's stuff around it. You know, you talk about the beginning. I would cut a significant portion of the beginning down, but I would keep all of the stuff that, Katie, you specifically brought up. Like all, yeah. all of Hugh Jackman in the church and all of that, I would keep, I wouldn't touch it at all. There's just fat around the good part that I think needs to get out of there. And that can be mm-hmm. said for so many moments through this movie. Well, sure. And Master it's so the house hard being to, one. it's so hard to make those cuts because it's like saying, oh, I don't really need my forearm because it doesn't do anything. Right. But then where would my hand go? Right. Yeah. That's good. I think there, I think they could have, what I wrote in my notes is I think they could have shortened some huge moments in the staged musical where you get a full 15 minute intermission to take a rest, walk around, get some popcorn. Right. I think they could have cut some songs down when he sings in the little carriage about her and the little Cosette is right there. It's a long time. That song is too long. It's too long. That's the one they wrote though, right? They had to have some, to be able to have best original song Mm -hmm. in the category, they had to write one. Isn't that the one they wrote? I am not a hundred percent. I okay. actually think you might be right, but I, it just mm-hmm. was so long and I just, it just was not necessary. The, the, the length that it was, I, I actually felt like the whole film could have ta- had about 35 to 40 minutes shaved off. I completely Easy. agree. Easy. It's now, too long. I, the last 40 so minutes, I many, was very yeah. upset. Let's do this for them. How many minutes do you think Russell Crowe's on screen? <laughs> Uh, 37. Okay, let's cut it. Yeah. He's gone. He's just gone. We just solved our own problem. (laughs) Bye-bye, Javert. No, the storyline of Javert, you guys, it is the whole concept of this, the miserables. That's what it means. It's like that concept is mind-boggling to me. I told Donnie, I was like, 
there's this Pharisee kind of representation. What is this? There's such a deep theological story in what Victor Hugo was talking about that just wrecks me. And it's like, who am I? Am I Javert? Am I Jean Valjean? Am I, you know, what am I willing to do? Am I so set in my ways that I'm afraid to, you know, show someone grace? At the end of my life, I would hope that, uh, that it would be said of all of us on this call that we showed grace before we, you know, sh- sh- shown judgment on anyone. So yeah, there totally. is this yeah. beautiful story with Javert and the fact that it was ruined. And I remember specifically in the movie theater, people around me and myself chuckling the minute Russell Crowe started singing this such, this necessary character to the story. Like you said, Carter, I think the sun and the moon, or maybe, I don't know who said it. There's this, like this really great thing going on between the two of them. And then for one of them to be laughable is heartbreaking to me. Well, and I feel like, and this might be in the stage play too. I don't know, but the, when, when we finally understand what is driving Javert, we get about, 10 seconds of, I was born in a jail. I was born in that filth. And now look Mm -hmm. at me now. And it's like, give me more of that, dude. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you tell me about that? Like, cause then, then do you start to understand the sun, the moon, the yin, the yang? Like, then do you start Mm -hmm. to understand the man freed from, from the bondage of prison is beholden to the man born into that bondage and like trying to make something like that's when you get that conflict lock. And I, I didn't even know why, they were mad at each other other than Javert hates prisoners and was mad. Yeah. Like I straight up thing. did not know that until right now. Yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I am from the Gantata. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I, it's super offensive to me too, because of how much I love villains and right. antagonists. And so I'm kind of, I'm like, if, if Heath Ledger did bad at Joker, you know, it's like, it's not that epic of like a good versus evil. But it is like the the evil is so important in a mm-hmm. story, and sure, it's written. It was written well, but not delivered well. And that's you can't have the hunk without the chunk, right? Can't chunk without hunk. Dang, dude, that's good. I did I've take a deep that. dive into a Jean Valjean situation that I I just want to briefly share with you guys because this was a question that popped up multiple times when I watched this movie. At the end, you're like, "What does he die from?" Because they don't make it very clear. Yes, of old age. But I did actually take a deep dive because I wanted to go back to the root of the the book, the novel, to see how old he actually was. Because I don't think they do a really good job of telling you the timeline. I know they give you the dates. I get that. But I don't really think, I think Hugh Jackman goes from carrying uh, uh, Marius to literally old man in a wheelchair. Right. There's no in between, and right. I don't like that. But what I did find out is he was born in 1768. He was sentenced to prison at age 28 in 1796. He was released at age 47. He becomes mayor at 55. He the, the upheaval in Paris, the student revolution. He's 64 when he throws Marius on his back, hmm. and then two years later, at age 65 or 66, he dies of old age. Now, I did understand the life expectancy of someone living in the 19th century in France was way younger than that. It was like 45. So I get that. But I think in the film, it's just we've we've drug on so much. And yet the thing that they just skim over is he gets real old. Yeah. I didn't like that. Yeah. I definitely didn't like that. I was about three quarters of the way through that scene when I was like, oh, he's actually going to die. Yeah. He has great hair. That's I just had no idea. It just looked like he was tired. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's like, and he died because he just stopped wanting to not die. I, yeah. It was just, it was super duper weak for me. Mm-hmm. I agree, Katie. Yeah, but Anne Hathaway shows back up and it's like, yes! And then she's gone 10 seconds later. I know, that I was know. the moment when I, I locked back in. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Something that's good. Well, uh, I think it's uh, it's just about time to rate this unless there's anything just burning the inside of your pockets ready to go. Well, then, using science... You know, from school, we've created the scientific cinema scale. It's the perfect way to rate movies, and it is as follows. The best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it. Buy Buy that that poster. poster. The next best thing, that's buy it, followed by rent it, and then stream it. After that is forget it, and last, but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God God hath forsaken us. Good stuff. Good stuff. I will go first because I am brave enough to do it. Go for it. Um, honestly, I'm renting this, and here's why. It is so important, the music of this show. And like I feel like it is it is, I believe, the second longest running musical of all time. Um, it is everywhere. Felt like the second longest movie of all time. Right. Um, I wonder what, yeah, time of day watching it has any kind of influence. I don't know. Just <clears throat> as as a movie, I don't know that it works as well as it does for me, like as a, a piece of theater art. Um, but there are just enough shining moments and like filmmaking moments of like set design and like, um, there's just enough there to keep me interested. And so for that reason, it, it is a rent for me. I'll go next. Um, what I'm about to say might sound disrespectful, might sound (laughs) mean, might sound too spicy uh if you have a problem with it if you don't like it please direct all complaints to at willis wisdom on instagram <laughs> that's where you can reach me best mm-hmm. uh but i i'm gonna give this a god hath forsaken us you guys whoa i am never going to watch this again there is nothing in this that makes it watchable i'll watch Anne hathaway's performance on youtube this is among the worst movie experiences I have ever had. Wow. As I understand it, there is a a live, uh, like a concert experience from 2010, right? That has the actual musicians, actual actors in it. If you want the music, watch that. If you want the story of Les Mis, read the book or watch the Liam Neeson one. But this is, uh, this is a mean one, Mr. Grinch, and I would not touch it with a 29 and a half Woo! foot pole. I'm never <laughs> wow. watching this again. Lord. Oh, I'm, hey, I got listen, so but that's what makes this that. podcast so interesting. Have you ever have what how many times? Has there been a handful of times you've done a God Hath Forsaken Us, you guys? I bet Joe's just done it more than anyone else. <laughs> I am okay. the crankiest, and there was a pretty high hit percentage of that particular rating during Twilight. So yeah. <laughs> And I'm okay. I'm probably best known for ever doing it when it makes sense. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's probably the difference there. I so I buy this movie. And I'll tell you what, the only reason I didn't buy the poster is Russell Crowe, because I think it's it's tough. So this was our most voted on thing, and I'm not letting that influence me. But I think what a lot of people like about it is this was, I think if, to me, if I'm comparing it to even like West Side Story, like an older, like the older version of that, that was one of the better ones. If I'm comparing it to Phantom of the Opera and Gerard Butler being the choice for Phantom and, and mm-hmm. things like that, it's like... Wild Russell Crowe is probably the most egregious casting in any movie I can think of right now, ever, <laughs> outside of musicals. 
Like I think I think what Tom Hooper was able to do, and again, he shot himself in the foot with cats some years later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what what he was able to do with this, and it's it's I think right now he doesn't get to bear the flag. He doesn't get to he has no baton to pass off anymore because he mm-hmm. ruined it for himself. Right. But there's so many bones of this that I think are really good. And I would appreciate uh, either again or with a different musical, definitely with a different musical to say, you know what, let's really try and really produce a stage play and turn it into something like, like I, I, I am encouraged for maybe wicked someday. Hmm. I would love to see wicked as a movie. And I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, and so I think Les Mis had done enough to encourage some people. And again, some bad stuff happens later. Uh, and, en- and enough things hit for me that it is a buy it. I, I, overall, I do enjoy the experience, though some of it is kind of strange and looks literally painful for the people that were asked to step outside of their comfort zone a little bit. Um, but I, I buy the movie. I am actually right there with you, Carter. I actually am buying this movie. I do own it on Blu-ray. Um, and I, I think there's just something nostalgic about it, but let me say this. I, even though I will buy it, um, I'm going to immediately download onto my phone. I have purchased the 2010 live version from London. That is what, when Donnie and I are driving and we want to listen to a musical, you know, we've got our Hamilton, we've got, we do not ever play this film version in our car. We are playing the 2010, and you can't buy the album of the 2010. We had to buy the DVD or the digital version, and we did that. We paid $20 for the digital version of the 2010 live live show of this. Mm -hmm. This movie is nostalgic for me because it's, I love the musical. I love the story, but it, it is not a, it's not an own that poster for me for Russell Crowe and for the fact that it is so dang long. Um, so, so yeah, it's a buy it for me and it's a solid buy it. I own it and I'm proud to have it. I will for sure watch it again in my lifetime, but maybe only twice. (laughs) I was honestly, you guys, and let me say this. I was shocked. This was actually the number one. I understand that people are intrigued by this, but when I told Donnie, this was the number one voted movie musical, I can't believe knowing that like into the woods wasn't even in the, in the running, knowing that, um, Newsies wasn't on the list. Um, knowing that there are just some iconic movie musicals that weren't even, that were on the list that didn't even make it into this, that this film made it. I, I really was shocked. I did not vote for this movie on my top five. And I think I so did. this was a hard, this was a hard one for me, but I'm, I'm, I'm a solid by it. I love it. I was shocked too, that this made the list, but I think. I think that's a good thing. Totally. Because mm-hmm. like I would never I would not have watched this if it wasn't on our list. And so it's probably good for us that we get to talk about movies that we would not necessarily have selected. Yeah. Uh I actually really like that about these crowdsource series is that it's always kind of just a wild card of like, oh, I can't believe that made it. Or I can't believe a goofy movie didn't oh, make I'll it. You know, yeah, never sure. get we've been that. we've been doing this podcast long enough to really have a pretty impressive library and even uh series of of different movies that we've been through to compare certain things to. I think I, I appreciate the conversation we had today too. I think it puts a stamp on one of our more interesting series. I think that we've ever done, and I didn't expect that. I think it it, it ended up being a, a ton of really good conversations that come out of it, and a little all over the place. And that's I, I really yeah. enjoyed. Katie, we want to say again, thank you. I know we said it in chat announcements, but thank you for doing yes. this. This has been yeah. awesome. It's been such a cool five weeks, such a weird like series, and like 
mix of styles. It's just awesome. I love it. This has been a blast and a highlight of my life, you guys. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> you guys, y'all are so talented and so funny. And I fangirl so hard over you guys when I first started listening to the podcast. So <laughs> it's pretty cool that I, I can't wait to add this in my resume. Amazing. But then you met us and was just like, oh, Oops. that I shouldn't know. That was a mistake. No, what I did find out today is we all have very loud barky dogs. That is what I found out today, that we are all just humans who have very, very obnoxious animals living in our Mine's houses. a cat. We do. And you he and doesn't do. bark. He just slaps doorknobs. Cool. So it's kind of the same Mine's thing. a wife, and I think she's cooking me lunch right now, and I love her very much. Craft mac and so. cheese. No, I bet she cooks <laughs> I you wish. such good lunch. Mm. Jess, make some mac and cheese if you can. It would be nice to have someone cook you lunch, but as I look around, and though I have people on the screen, I simply, I, I just see empty chairs and empty tables. <laughs> Hey, you guys, what we didn't talk about was Eddie Redmayne's jaw when he sang. Oh, he's got so much jaw. that does hurt me. He has so much jaw. It's just- It hurts. It's just- Somebody needed to tell him that that doesn't help you, in fact, have any kind of vibrato or sing. And I really like Eddie Redmayne. You can turn that off, right? He could have turned that off. Hey, I just yelled and asked you to make mac and cheese. That was a joke for the podcast. You don't have to do that. (laughs) You are a good husband. Is she really on the phone? Great. Thank you. I love you. That is a man who is Bye. married and wants to stay married for the next 65 years. Do you hear me when I say? Donnie Until and I, I one time like Hugh Jackman and be tired of not being dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just give up. I- just sit in your chair and just your eyes roll in the back of your head because you just you've you've done it. You did it. I want to remind everyone listening that our mystery series starts. Sorry, our <clears throat> Mr. E series starts next mm. week. We're jumping right in. It's going to be incredible. We're jumping in with Clue. So excited. Check that out. And to end today's episode, to wrap up the Chusical series, I'd like for us each to say our name and what pop song you would have Russell Crowe as Javert cover for Now That's What I Call Music 2020. For Two Chunks and a Hunk, I'm Jordan, and it is going to be Coldplay's Paradise because... I just think the <laughs> para, para, paradise, para, para, paradise is very funny. <laughs> I'm Doge, and Russell Crowe is going to be lending his magnificently melodious voice to a cover of Taylor Swift's Bad Blood. <laughs> Baby, now we got fun blood. <laughs> hey, it's almost a vampire, uh, like we said. So it's kind of like it is. It it's is. super. It's we got blood. blood. <laughs> I. Uh, my name is Carter, and if if he has anything, if Russell Crowe has anything in this world, he's got a knack for singing numbers. So I'm going to choose <laughs> Tommy Two Tones. It's a I think that would be great. <laughs> You guys, it's been a pleasure. For two chunks and a hunk, I am Katie, and I want Russell Crowe to sing on that Now That's What I Call Music 2020, Savage, because I'm a savage, classy, bougie, ratchet. (laughs) That's it. It's been a blast.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.